1: How you doing tonight? I B Nation uh, Sports Talk, Vince.
2: How's it going? Today was beautiful. Today was beautiful, Sean. You know why? It's, what what I I th- it's to probably me.
1: warmer where you are than where I am, and I'm in North Carolina, where yeah. it's supposed to be nicer down here.
2: Well, it's 56 degrees. We had SAT day at school, so that means only juniors were there. They were testing all day till one o'clock. Then they all went home. <clears throat> Freshmen, sophomores, seniors, all at home today. It was it was it was beautiful. It was a ghost town and I loved every second of it because nobody can get into a fight, nobody can get in trouble, nobody can do anything they're not supposed to do. And so I just sat back and relaxed, caught up on paperwork, and it was a glorious day. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, you know, take it when you can get it, right? Peace and quiet, baby. It was glorious. How about how was your day down there in the Carolinas?
1: It was fairly uneventful. Of course, you know, for those who don't know, I'm down here with Notre Dame women's basketball. The ACC tournament, ACC women's tournament started today. There were three games in the first round today. There'll be you know, a few more games tomorrow. Notre Dame doesn't play until Friday because they have the double bye. But um, beautiful. went to a practice this morning at Guilford College. Little Division three, Really nice little gym they had really in Guilford College. We drove past the baseball field and they're, I don't know if they do this on purpose. There's, you know, like it's a wooden fence across the outfield and the paint is green, but the paint, you know, looks like it's about 50 years old. It's like,
2: (laughs) I know that look.
1: Yeah. And so it's like, okay, are you like, are you going for this kind of rustic Look, do you you know? Do you really want it to look like the, it's the start of the season? You would thought they would have maybe slapped a fresh coat of paint on there, but not so. Nice little gym good. though at Guilford.
2: Okay, never heard of it. Yeah, why I, I had I, neither until
1: school. today. So. Yeah, but that's where we went. We'll get in those questions. It is uh, mailbag night, so that means we're answering your questions. We're here for you. Is what we're here for. That's right, baby. Or do it. Yes. Uh, we got a lot. Coming up later in rapid fire, we will address uh, Mark Packer's comments when he was taking part in announcing Neil Ivy as ACC Women's Basketball Coach of the Year yesterday. It was very interesting. I don't know if you've actually heard him or not yet, Vince. It,
2: I, I saw the rundown, and I saw that there were going to be comments, and I was like, hmm, I wonder what those comments are going to be. So I'm going to hear it for the first time with a lot of people, I would imagine. So okay. Looking forward to it. Because right. I did see your tweet, though. About it was a negative tweet, so I'm assuming that the comments are going to be ridiculous.
1: Well, I'm guessing. I guess I it depends on which way you look at it. How negative it was. I don't know if you saw, but Mark Packer was responding, and like he's oh, been no. like he's one of these responds to everybody. You know.
2: Oh, okay. All day long,
1: Michaela Mabry, one of the Irish assistants, retweeted my tweet, and you know she also tweeted something, and he tweeted back at her and wow. me, and yeah, so nice. there. It was, and it it, it kind of settled down after a while. But we can get to all that oh, shoot. a little bit later. I'm behind, be... man.
2: I, I just saw your initial tweet. I didn't see any of the responses.
1: Yeah. Interesting conversation that it's going to end up being. So, again, we'll we'll do that in rapid fire in a little bit. Of, of course, we've got football comments in rapid fire. We've got uh, some Mike Bray, Notre Dame men's basketball comments. It's last, his last game.
2: I know. Tonight. My My son and his girlfriend are on their way to the game as we speak. And he's going to be able to say he was at Mike Bray's last game. I guess does
1: it so, start at seven o'clock? Yes, it does. Interesting. He'll, he'll, he, he you need to text him to text you like how full it is over there. I'm really curious to see like what what it turns out.
2: Yeah, like my father-in-law be. is taking them, and they they left like 15 minutes ago, thinking that you know the traffic, the traffic, it's going to be crazy. Like, okay, well we'll see. Right.
1: Tell you what, Coleman Smith was one of the first ones here. He had the first question. I don't know if we've had a Coleman Smith question before, but uh, Coleman—he's
2: one of the OGs, like as far okay. as a commenter, like back in the day when I was doing shows for my classroom at Riley. So he's OG. So All welcome right. back, Coleman. Welcome,
1: Coleman. Do you think Chris Tyree will get more touches now with Parker as the offensive
2: coordinator? I hope so. I I. It was funny, I was talking to Brian after the press conference, and I don't know if it was I was talking to Brian or if I was talking to Sean, but I was like, man, during the press conference for uh, when, they entered, when they introduced Coach Parker, I was thinking to myself, man, what would have really topped off the press conference is if Parker would have said, you know, when they asked him what his offense is going to be like or what are the difference is going to be, he would have said, Chris Tyree is going to be a different guy because we're going to get the ball in his hands. Like that would have just been—that's my sugar on top, Man, that would have like,
1: been beautiful if he just oh, laid the gauntlet down right off the bat, wouldn't it?
2: Oh, that would have been awesome because that's what I wanted him to say. Now, based on what I think I know about Jared Parker and what his offense is going to look like, yeah, I think he will get more touches because they're going to simplify some things they're going to get more guys involved they're going to get their playmakers the football and anybody that says that Chris Tyree is not a playmaker doesn't understand what they're watching right because he is a playmaker when used properly
1: are there people That's who the- say Tyree is not a playmaker
2: there's people that say oh why are they giving him the football well generally they give him the football when he's running between the tackles yeah okay
1: get him the ball in the right Fair. way
2: yes Get him the ball in the right way, and then we'll be good to go.
1: I still contend that they needed to get him and, and they tried a little bit later in the season. They were trying to do some stuff with him, but you know, by then it was one too little too late, and right. it was like, you know, like some dink and dunk type stuff, and he didn't pick up a whole lot of yards and, and those kind of things. I, I just think that they're like when you talk about the creativity scale, right, with with him combined with who else you have in that backfield? There's just so much you can do with Chris Tyree. He needs at least eight touches per game.
2: Absolutely. I would say.
1: Yes. Eight, eight touches to per ten. game. Eight to yeah. ten. And that's and, what I said. At least, yeah. eight, you know, and you can go like right. you can go eight to fifteen as far as I'm concerned. You know, because just, I I
2: still honestly, I still want him as the kick return guy, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so you need to get the ball in his hands and you need to get him in straight line speed, which is what They do on kickoff return, and so I still want him as a kickoff return guy. It's just, unfortunately, with the way the game is going, he's just not getting as many opportunities to actually return the football. So keep him back there. I love it. Uh, You know, and you can put another dynamic guy back there with him, but he needs more touches, no doubt about it. Correct. Correct.
1: Interesting question from Larry. Do we know if there will be a presser on our new O-line coach? Hope so. Well, l- let me just say, you know, they announced Gino Gagooli. Gaduli. Gaduli. God, why do I keep saying it wrong now? Gaduli. <laughs> Gagooli. Yes. Yeah. Why do I keep doing it? Okay. Gidouly. You're the one that
2: taught me how to say it. So. I know,
1: and now I can't <laughs> say it right. It's like I'm confusing myself. <sighs> Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said.
0: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Turn to make it out?
1: Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So they announced Gino Gaduli officially today. We've still got to wait for the official announcement. For the offensive line coach. My guess is they'll do them together. That's just a guess. Because like last year, if you remember, they did when they brought in, you know, all the new coaches. They did all of that. You know, when the, oh, first they, they did, did kind of the, time. you know, like the position coaches had kind of their day. And then I think that was, you know, like after the coordinators, they gave the coordinators a press conference and and all that kind of. So that's my guess. We did. here. Here's something we found out a week from today they're right. going to do the offensive players they fu- they announced that officially
2: today so but they haven't said they- which ones they're going to hold true. out on us you, they didn't say which
1: ones but they're going to do the the offensive players a week from today at
2: 5:45 by the way which is right. like
1: and which is something we're going to have to figure out as far as this show goes <laughs> <Not> helpful but <laughs> yeah not for us at all but they also said that between now and then, between now and a week from today, that's there's not going to be anything before then. They said right. that. So we know there's not going to be anything coming. I would think we're going to get some kind of opportunity with both of these new coaches. And that's why I say my guess is they'll just do them together, if at all possible.
2: I'm going to be a little more pessimistic, and I'm going to say they're not going to do squat with the new guys the only time I think that we're going to get an opportunity to maybe talk to them is if they bring all the position coaches out during spring ball at some point. I don't know that there's going to be a special press conference with the new guys. I just, I, I am not holding my breath. I will say that. So I'll be, I'll be I, the negative Nelly on that one.
1: I mean, this is not the BK era. You know, I they're know not, they're not hiding. Coach, You know, like I said, That's we, a good got, point. we got to talk to all of them last year. I just think that, you know, one, Gaduli just became official today. Yeah. If you think about it again. And uh the offensive line coach is not official
2: yet. Sure. So and I hope maybe you're gonna right. get
1: something once it happens.
2: What we haven't had an opportunity to even see is what happens when a new coach is hired to Marcus Freeman's staff. Like we don't know what that is because this is the first time that it's ever happened. So we don't really have that's true, any ground work is already
1: here yeah. to
2: go off of. You know what I mean? So it's gonna be, it'll be interesting. You're right. They they have not given us any reason to think that they'll be hiding coaches from us. Uh, it just do they do other programs have press conferences when they hire a position coach? Did my, did did our boy Tommy Reese have one down in Alabama? I don't even know. I don't know.
1: Didn't really follow it. I
2: don't. I feel like my I would have heard. No, but yeah, I, I feel like I would have heard about it.
1: But like I said last year, after Mark, you know, like we got that whole they they took took him in. Uh, I think it was the Namoli. Room and yeah, they did like Dylan Parker was over here. Uh, all these different guys, you know, they brought all of them in. So I think we'll I think we'll get to talk to them at some point. They're pretty good about even if it's right at the start of you know, spring practice or something. I think we'll get I think we'll get to talk to
2: state of the program kind of a situation. you know what BK used to do? Did he do like a state of the program like going into spring practice? Isn't that so we got something about along those lines like going into spring? And then we had spring and I, I look, we, we also found out recently that we know for a fact that March 22nd is going to be the first day of spring practice. I am still very interested to see what do we get to see? What is the availability going to be for practice? And how many days of school do I get to miss in order to go? <laughs> Those are all the things on my mind.
1: Neil Ivy was just on the ACC network Muffet. And oh, Matt nice. McGraw flew down with us on the, oh, the really? charter yesterday. So that was interesting. Got to talk to her and him a little
2: bit. Got is she doing TV stuff. work for this thing or what?
1: Yeah, Muffet's on ACC Network all the time. She's okay. like she's part of their regular coverage of gotcha. women's basketball throughout the season.
2: So is she working the tournament then? Is yeah. she going to like be yep. – okay, good. Awesome.
1: They've got like a live crew. You know, they check in before yeah. and after every game and all that okay. kind of stuff. So, yep, yep. Some pretty good coverage that they got over there. Uh, we'll save the women's basketball talk for rapid fire though, because we've got, you know, the other conversation that we're going to get into as well. Um I tell you what though, how about this one? Let's let's go this ahead. This is an and, interesting
2: was, one from Ian. Let's flip
1: this one in. Ian asks, who is the who is the better coach right now? Neil Ivey or Marcus Freeman? Who will be the better coach when they leave Notre Dame?
2: Ivy or Freeman? It's kind, I, I, this is this is going to sound like I'm starting off with a cop out answer, but this is tough because it's women's basketball versus football. And it's a big difference. Right. I mean, and I think it's true. I think both coaches are very good coaches. I think they're both dynamic recruiters. I, I, I think it, there's no argument there. I think Neil Ivey is an excellent, excellent recruiter. She was the lead recruiter on Muffet's staff, if I'm not mistaken. You can correct me if I'm wrong. You're kind of the expert on this stuff. Correct. And and Marcus Freeman was clearly the best recruiter on the staff at Notre Dame and still is even as the head coach. So both of them, hands down, great recruiters. No doubt about that. I feel like Muffet was – and Muffet, wow. I feel like Niel was – she was she was dealt kind of a, a, a tough hand, you know, in her first year roster think, was
1: not in good shape right when she came in
2: correct and that was tough that yeah. was tough and she did a great job I mean obviously Olivia Miles was able to come in a little early which is definitely helpful Cass Prosper has been able to come in early here but getting some some uh some transfers and things like that so I, I just don't it seems like I don't know if it's easier to have success in the women's game than it is the men's game so like how do we measure success they're both really really good young coaches that I'm glad I get to root for but it, it's hard to say. I think Ivy, I'll say coming in the door, Ivy was a better coach. But when it's all said and done, I'm not sure. We'll see. They
1: are really like the mold that those two are, you know, like I think that there's a reason that you see Marcus Freeman and a lot of women's basketball games Agreed. fit in front court. Um, there are a lot of similarities between the like, Where they are, you know, starting off, both first-time head coach, both dynamic recruiters, making connections, you know, like with the recruits. You're right; it's a little apple to oranges because you're talking about women's basketball versus football. But I'll say this: like you're, you're right. When Niel took over the program, roster was not in good shape, and that first season, like strategically, you can see a huge difference just watching games. Like, especially like end of game situations, yeah. you know, how the team responds to adversity in the fourth quarter. Like now it's like the fourth, they own the fourth quarter. They do. more times than not those like that first year they blew. I don't know how many fourth quarter right. leads. And even last year, they still had some problems in the fourth quarter. That thing, that is a thing of the past. Right. So like you can see the progression, but along with that one, I think she is a, you know, I won't say much, but a better coach of the game, strategic coach of the game. But what's that come with? Experience. And so the answer to the question, you know, because who's the better coach right now, who will be the better coach when they leave Notre Dame? Right now, Niel is the better, like, X and O coach, I think. Sure. Because she's got two more years of experience than Marcus mm-hmm. Freeman. Yes, absolutely. Think, but, like, again, like, you saw marcus freeman you know like you didn't see any major gaps from her it was just like you know she kind of had different patterns that she followed and didn't necessarily come off them but you can see a progression there you know again like whether it's substitutions or you know what she's going to do and i think we saw some of that from marcus freeman throughout the course of the season as well where he was adjusting i think it's just a matter of time like i think that the when they leave Notre Dame, that is the biggest question. Sure. Because like, like unless Niel decides maybe in ten years or something that she wants to, you know, go back to the NBA or even you know whatever it had. Like, I think that could be there for her. You know, like what is the tenure of Marcus Freeman? Get you know sure. that's <laughs> predicting how that's going to go. So, I j- I just think that marcus freeman i think that he'll follow that that progression because that that neil ivy has already had because it also comes with she's got a lot better roster right now just Absolutely. like you were saying she's got a lot better roster and that's where marcus freeman is also going to be a couple of years from now the roster is going to look right. completely different and that's going to be in large part due to the kind of recruiting he's doing just like the, her roster looking different due to the recruiting that she's doing with you know sure. Prosper and Citron and
2: what well, it's and it's wow. easier to it's easier to to flip a roster in basketball than it is in football there's a lot right a lot less it's a smaller roster i, I completely agree with that derek said 12 girls versus 100 guys you're absolutely right i, I right. totally get that it, it's you're talking about the sport it doesn't even mean need to be girls versus boys but just the sport of basketball you go get two game changers in basketball, that can change your entire projection or trajectory, excuse me, as a program, right? You get two game changers in football, it, it won't be as good because if you got a great quarterback and a great wide receiver and crap offensive line, it doesn't matter, right? Now, if Neil goes out and wins a national championship, awesome, that's great. If they each win one national championship, just by the definition of the sport that they coach, one's going to be more celebrated than the other, but it doesn't mean one is a better coach than the other, right? Right. So, and I'm obviously
1: I've, not yeah. saying Marcus Freeman is not a good coach. I'm just, you know, again, no, like when I, you look at, he's early yeah. in his career, just like two years ago, Neil Ivy was a first time head coach, and right. We all know there 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 are things that you learn as a head coach that you only learn by being a head right. coach. And no Neil Ivy, like I said, Neil is two years in front of him right yeah. now. So that's why right now I think she's a little bit better strategically. But again, we're still. Apples and oranges because of the different sports
2: and coaching. And I also agree with you that they can both they can learn from each other. And I think that they are close as you know as close as you can be as colleagues and things of that Mm -hmm. nature, right? Like you said, otherwise Marcus Freeman wouldn't be as many games as he is. I mean, he's he's there all the time when he can can be. So I I think it's fun to watch these two both grow uh, as well. You know, so. It's going to be cool, man. Like I said, I, I'm excited that I get to root for both of these uh, head coaches because they're fun to root for because I, I believe that they do it the right way and they do it with hard work. So there's one oh. comment I wanted to comment on before we move. Okay. Um, let's see. Here we go. David said that women are more serious about their education. I want to push back on that a l- just a little bit because I think it's the product of what the professional level looks like Men versus women, right? I don't think that the women are more serious about their education. I just think that they have to stick around longer, uh, you know, to make the name a name for themselves and to get to the professional level. And the dollar signs well, are the same when they get to the professional level. And that's what level. I was gonna say. So like if we're talking have...
1: strictly basketball, if we're if we're comparing right. men's and women's basketball, the money is completely different. Correct. You know, men's and women's. And that's you know, Muffet has talked about that. In the past, if there was the inducement of the kind of contracts that the right. men have, I think that you'd see a lot more women leave oh, after three years. A lot years, of one
2: and done. Or yeah.
1: even a couple years. Yeah. yeah. like But like Caitlin Clark, the Iowa point guard, I saw an interview with her on, uh, it was on the Dan Patrick show, and they, they tweeted it out yesterday. She'll be She's a junior right now. She said she's definitely coming back next year, and she's even considering sticking around for a fifth year because of the NIL. Component. Like yeah. she's getting a lot of bank right now from NIL and sure. she likes the college game. You know, like I think that the men can learn a lot from that potential oh, if, sure. if they get it figured out. But again, you know, there's a big difference between being a, a first round NBA pick as opposed to not being draft, you know, even being drafted in the second round and having to go to Europe or, you know, China or wherever. If right. you're in the men's game, but you know, if the NIL is right, I think that, that that could potentially sway some guys to stick around a little bit
2: longer. For sure. And that's where NIL can help the game, right? I mean that it can, because guys are willing to stick around. You don't have the, I need to go to the pros to make money for my family. You can make money for your family using NIL if it's done properly. Right? So I, I think that can help the college game if done correctly, which is a crap shoot at best anyway.
1: Yeah, for sure. All right. So I was just about to play. I think I actually had. Sorry about that. That's okay. (laughs) Baldwin's errant shot. Any hopes of hiring David Cutcliffe as an offensive analyst?
2: You know, we don't get a whole lot of information about analysts and how they do things. And and to be honest with you, I think Notre Dame's a little behind the times when it comes to stocking analysts, you know, like some of the bigger time programs do. Mm -hmm. And. It, it flies more under the radar as well. I mean, we don't hear about analyst hirings. That's not really a thing that Notre Dame does. And so, you know, I would say the hopes of a big splash analyst hiring are slim to none, if I'm being honest. I don't think that Notre Dame puts the onus or the importance on analysts like other big-time programs do. And maybe they're behind the times, or maybe they just don't feel like the benefit is there. I don't know. But they it, at the moment, they just don't. They don't have a, a, a stock room full of analysts yeah. like some I mean, of these bigger programs do.
1: Down south there, you know, it's like, oh, you're not a head coach anymore? All right, well, join my Alabama right. staff right. for a year, and that'll turn around, and you'll either be my offensive coordinator next year or you'll, or you'll be somebody else's a year from now, you know? Right, yeah. and that's. But you're right, Notre Dame – that's just not the path that Notre Dame takes.
2: Um, For whatever reason, is it is it yeah. Swarbrick? Is it the university? Is, I I don't know the answer to that. Is it is it Marcus Freeman? Does he not want a bunch of analysts? I I don't know. But they just they just don't. Well, and, and the they, other they, they part of it just, is I don't know.
1: You got to feel well, and like with with Kelly, I could see why there maybe weren't more analysts because it was like the cult of Kelly. You know, it's like he had to he had to have his, his fingerprints and his input on everything. And maybe of I can see where he wouldn't necessarily want that, but young defensive head coach, first time coordinator, like Cutcliffe obviously makes sense if that's what Jared Parker wants and what Marcus Freeman would want. And you got to depend, you know, you still got to figure out how much you're going to pay him. Does David Cutcliffe where he is at this point in his life want to pack up and move to South Bend and, you know, all those different kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Mr. 2.0 pick one Gino and Parker or Reese
2: and Parker. I mean, it's kind of an interesting question because Reese is the offensive coordinator. Parker was the tight ends coach. And now you've got Gino as the quarterback's coach and Parker as the offensive coordinator. So it's not a direct comparison, I like Gino as a quarterback's coach from a fundamental standpoint and a teaching standpoint. I I mean, I like him more than Reese. He's got more uh, skin in the game. He's been doing it a lot longer. He's got, you know, a, uh, he he's got a track record, right? And so I will always take a coach with a track record of success. And, and, and Gino Godouli has that success. And so Parker and Parker, they're the same. So now I guess we're comparing Gino and Reese. So I guess I would take Gino and Parker because I would take Gino over Reese as a quarterback's coach.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if you're just going based on experience, the Gino Parker, even though there's not a ton more experience, there's there's more experience than the Reese Parker combination. Right? You know, like, yeah. like overall in, in what they're doing and everything. And like you said, I I think that that Gino has a a good track record with the quarterbacks, what he's what he's had so far. So I mean, it's it's slight because you know because again it's it's not a direct comparison because you're talking about a tight end position coach versus a quarterback coach right. going to have more direct input you know on right. what's going on with the development and all that
2: kind of stuff right and parker's still the tight ends coach you know even though he's the offensive coordinator so like nothing really changes there so, but i know people are excited about the fact that Notre Dame has a quarterback's coach and that's all he's going to do ah great <laughs>
1: Nathan wants to know, is Harry Heastan leaving after one year because Tommy Reese went to Alabama, a poor move?
2: I mean, it depends on how you, I mean, is it a poor move for Notre Dame? I think that remains to be seen. Is it a poor move for Harry Heastan? Obviously, he's fine with not coaching. So I'm sure he doesn't think it's a poor move. And there was literally nothing that Marcus Freeman could say to Harry Heestand to keep him around. Like, as soon as Reese said he was leaving, Harry was like, deuces, I'm out. Right. And they tried to convince him, and it was no go. And he didn't even care who the next OC was going to be. He was that loyal to Tommy Reese, which I find very intriguing. But that's the way it went. So is it a poor move? Let's see how Joe Rudolph does with the cupboard that he's got at Notre Dame. I think it's a pretty darn good cupboard, and I think he's going to do pretty well. I don't think we can really even answer this question for another couple of years, if I'm being honest. We'll yeah, see. like we,
1: we, we don't know exactly what the impact is going to, you know, what, you know, just exactly. It 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 definitely hurts Notre Dame for the short term because of what Harry was able to do with that offensive line over the course of the season, you know, correcting some of the bad habits, getting them pointed in a much better direction. And it, it just it's just amazing to me that you would, Come out of retirement to begin with, yeah, and then because Tommy Reese leaves, now you're going to retire again. Like, how 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 really into it was? You know, like was he? Yeah. I don't know. He seemed like the same old Harry out there. Like, but from his aspect, if he didn't want to be there, you can't force a guy to be there. So from his aspect, I can't say it was a poor move. It just it hurts Notre Dame for the short term, and then like you said, we won't find out what it really means long term. Right. For a couple of years, and we see we see what, what Rudolph looks like as a developer and all that kind of stuff. And a recruiter for that matter.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Super chat from Woo! Tyler. Thank you very much. Vincent Sean, what would you like your teams to do in the NFL draft? And today my girlfriend and I found out we we're going to be first time parents.
2: Congratulations. That's Tyler. awesome. Good luck. Oh. Man, no bigger job. No bigger pain in the ass, but no bigger joy. So good luck, Tyler. Congratulations. What would I like my team to do in the draft? I'm a Bears fan, and they have the number one pick at the present. If they use that number one pick to draft somebody, I will be very upset. They have a terrible roster, which needs a heck of a lot of work, and I wouldn't be mind to see them trade down a couple times and just get a bunch of picks and just start rebuilding that roster. I think they got a lot of the guys. I think they have the head coach in place. I think they have a decent GM. Let's see how he does because now you're a GM with the number one pick. So let's see how, you know, take that thing out for a spin and see what you can get for it. If they use it on, on one guy, I'm going to be pretty pissed. To be honest with you. Yeah.
1: And I, I'm a little, you know, it, because as usual there's you know, there's like so many holes that the Cowboys need to fill with their draft. And of course they pick lower in the draft than, in the Bears so like they don't have the luxury of being able team. to trade the pick and get a whole bunch out of it you know there's talk about wide receiver they there's talk that they could even go running back which I'm not thrilled about because like Zeke Elliott might be back even though they're not they haven't really decided on what's going on there yet offensive line is another thing you know there's there's just there's there's a lot uh, let me just say This, though, you know, like I I keep hearing people say, oh, they've got all this tight end depth and all that stuff. I would love it if they drafted Michael Mayer. That would be my dream scenario. Get You know, get Michael Mayer and then some other stuff. They need they need another wide receiver. And they drafted a wide receiver, I think, in the second round last year who played a handful of snaps all year, who they thought was going to be a difference maker. So they've like it's just so hard to rely on on rookie wide receivers just sure. like in college you just yeah. don't know what you're going to get from freshman wide receivers so my answer is i would love but my best case scenario is michael mayer and then fill in the gaps around that where but, are
2: the cowboys picking what, what number are they at like, uh give or, give or take give i can't
1: remember off the top okay. of my head right you know obviously they made the playoffs, so it's like like upper to mid 20 i like i said i can't remember the exact number but yeah Okay, Jeff, do you think twenty three will bring the positive changes we need to see with the linebacker and defensive line in both development and recruiting? And if not, will Marcus Freeman cut ties with Golden and Al Washington? They're both at the bottom of staff right now.
2: I mean, hopefully, <laughs> I mean that's all I can say. Do I think it will be a will be positive? I'm hoping. We're, we're going to see how good of a coach Al Washington is this year because I don't know that there's a whole lot of front runners on the defensive line. They're going to have to play well as a unit. They're not going to be able to lean on a, a bunch of individual stars this year. So we're going to see. Right? And we're going to see really fast. And we're also going to see, you know, what he can do as a recruiter with this 24 class. And so, I mean, if he, if he lands Justin Scott, you know, does that turn everything around for people and what they think about Al Washington as a recruiter? You know, what does this class look like? Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely in the bullseye area, right? He's he's under the microscope with what he's going to be able to do. And frankly, so is Al Golden. I mean, what is he trying to transform the defense into a 3-down defense? Is he what is he trying to do with this defense and how's it going to look and how productive are they going to be because I do think the offense is going to be able to put a lot of points on the board. Yeah. But the defense is going to have to show up and they're going to have to play well. To complement the offense, I think it's going to be. It has a possibility of being the complete opposite of what it's been for the last few years, where the defense is pretty dominant and the offense is just kind of there, right? I think the offense is going to score. The defense is going to have to make a couple key stops this year, and are they going to be able to do it? I, I don't know. I hope so.
1: The front seven's got to be better. There's yeah. no doubt about that, and that's 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 where it's going to the success or failure. Of Notre Dame's defense it's all going to ride on what what happens with the front seven for for the first time in maybe ever that I can remember we feel <laughs> much better about the secondary than yeah. we do the front seven just a couple of short years ago the secondary was a major concern the recruiting yeah. has turned around the development for Mike Mickens has turned around and if the front seven is not better after year two I will be really curious to see what Marcus Freeman's thought process is in terms of sure. Does he make a move because recruiting is going to be a part of this as well.
2: Huge part. It's going to yeah. be a huge part, right? Cause you're not, you're only, your defense is only really going to be as good as your front period. I mean, donor is going to have one of the best secondaries, I think overall in the country, they're going to be right up there, but if the front seven blows, it doesn't matter. So we're, we're going to see what happens here. And, and Al golden is going to have his work cut out for him, you know, getting this defense ready to play
1: uh Johnny asking about the Mark Packer uh, comments <laughs> we're gonna really get to that in rapid fire man. we will play the comments for you in rapid fire and then we will discuss on rapid fire if you saw my Twitter yesterday you know my thoughts <laughs> but we will address it uh oh hang on a sec I gotta plug my computer in it's oh no I just got the low battery warning
2: so yeah don't 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 fail me now don't die on me. Ray wants to know, speaking of offensive line, what is going on with Rocco Spindler? Well, I mean, nothing is going on with Rocco Spindler right now from a football standpoint, because all they're doing is offseason conditioning and and things of that nature. And uh, Rocco Spindler was a guy who I don't think took the big step that everybody was hoping that he would take, you know, going from his freshman year to his sophomore year you know, I've, I've heard things about, you know, slower feet, you know, being a little overweight. I've I've heard a lot of different things, but I still know that the staff is, is fairly high on him. I think for Rocco, the best thing that could possibly happen is the fact that there's going to be a new O-line coach. So everybody's going to be on a new footing uh, when it comes to offensive line and his position is one of those ones that's up for grabs. So I, you know, going, Based on what I knew about the team from last year going into this year, I think they got two guard openings, and I think there's about four guys that they have a possibility of, of nailing down one of those guard spots, and I think he's one of them. And so we'll see what happens. I'm very interested to see if he's been able to reshape his body a little bit and do some different things in the offseason once spring practice hits. But, you know, he just isn't the wonder kid that everybody thought he was going to be. And he kind of got overshadowed by two other sophomores who were pretty yeah. stinking good at tackle.
1: Are we good now, by the way,
2: we are fantastic. I think
1: what happened as soon as I plugged it in, it like, of course, you know, with the Mac of course. did some crazy stuff. Of course. Uh, you know, that, that first spring when he was an early enrollee, he was getting a lot of reps because remember there were some injuries on the offensive line. And I think that got a lot of people wound up and expecting some things early. He was, and this is not a knock on him. He was there by default because he was there in the spring. So he was just getting a lot of reps. Sure. And unfortunately, it's, you know, we're a couple years later now. And that hasn't turned into, you know, reps with the real team and all that right. kind of stuff. But at the same line, there are a lot of other very capable offensive linemen there. And you got to compete if you're going to win those. And I'm not right. saying he's not competing. I'm just saying everybody's got to compete for a job if you're going to win right. one. Yep. So that'll be it. it. I mean, that's definitely for whatever we get to see. That's going to be one to watch this spring. Mm-hmm. What 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 happens with those two spots on the offensive line? No doubt. Uh, just going back to the Michael Mayer thing. Jason says if Mayer is there, do you think they? And Larry said, by the way, they draft twenty six, and I was thinking twenty eight. I knew it wasn't that low, but like I said, I knew it was that mid twenty, someplace. I think you know the the track record that the Cowboys have is like if someone with you know that kind of talent gets that far and falls to them I do think that they would pull the trigger for them cuz you know like they've got a couple tight ends but they're more like under the radar kind of tight ends who are built more like wide receivers than you know than than Michael Mayer Mayer is a true physical you know he has work to do with his blocking and stuff like that that's been pointed out by some draft analysts but he he definitely is someone who can be both a blocker and a pass catcher. So, I think I think that that Dallas would have a hard time passing that up if Michael Mayer was falling you, in their lap
2: there at twenty. How could you now? Will he last to twenty six? I think that right is probably a bigger question mark right now. But you yeah. know, we'll see.
1: But the other thing, and you know, he's at the combine. The other thing is, what do his explosives look like? Sure, you know, his vertical and his forty and you know, all those. All those different things, the broad jump and, you know, how how much is that going to affect right? how people view him as a true first-round guy? Or could he slip to the second? There have been plenty of Notre Dame guys. We thought we were going to be first-rounders who slipped into the second you know, because of because of that kind of stuff, sure. testing-type stuff.
2: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And he's going to interview well. You know, all that stuff is going to be good. His film is obviously good. So, I mean, and, and what is he going to do at the Combine? You know, like what I, I haven't, yeah. you know, obviously Ryan is the guy to ask. He's down in Indy right now. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does while he's down there. Right. Because everybody thinks he's an automatic first round pick. And a lot of times first round picks don't go through everything, you know, so we'll see what happens, but he he's going to make some team really, really happy. I, I hope he doesn't fall too far.
1: Tyler wants to know what position group is under the most pressure this season.
2: I think it's the linebackers if I'm being honest because you've got every one of the starters back from last year and it feels like nobody was happy with the way that they played, right? And so you got all these younger guys who are knocking on the door. So what is that going to look like? And so not only is it the position group from a on the field standpoint, but also the coaching, right? Al Golden is the linebackers coach and if they're not if they don't have a good year target's going to be on his back too so i think it's not not just the players that are under the pressure but i think the coaches as well
1: i'll just go to the other side of the ball and say the wide receivers you know like lorenzo styles was their second leading receiver but i think everyone can agree that it was far from what we envisioned for lorenzo styles last season now how much is a new offensive coordinator going to help how much is year two with the you know with with a different position, you know, with the same position coach, but after switching position coaches last year, all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's still, and there's a ton of young talent, but they've got to get way more production out of that group. So I'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with that side of the ball with the wide receivers.
2: Okay. I think that, I think, I think the, I would say that the wide receiving core has the biggest ceiling for this season. I think they have the biggest chance to make a big impact on, on this team and what they are able to do. Now, part of that obviously is, is the quarterback play. You know, uh, I think we can all agree that there were many times that the receivers were open last year and they just weren't getting the ball. So yeah. I think that's part of it.
1: Different quarterback. How much yeah. does that come into play?
2: Oh, yeah. Huge. It's huge. Whether it's Sam Hartman or Tyler Buckner, I think the wide receivers are going to have a better year period. Right? So, but we'll see what I mean we all assume that 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 Hartman's going to win that job but i think whoever wins the job the wide receivers are going to have a better year yeah uh
1: Mason Lunford not visiting Josh that uh, he tweeted that out and it was quickly i believe it yeah it was yesterday yeah um that's that's not happening that that visit is not happening now
2: so yeah yep and then that and that is Uh, It was a coach's decision on Notre Dame's part. It sounds like Mason Lunsford kind of jumped the gun on announcing that he was coming in. And before they even had an offensive line coach, they were like, yeah, we're not going to host you. So, uh, and and look, Notre Dame is happy with the depth that they have in that offensive line room. And I think they should be. I don't, you know, again, I kind of lean on Brian when it comes to watching film and, and analyzing these guys. But he didn't think that Mason Lunsford could hold a candle to the guys that are already at Notre Dame. He all The only thing he had was experience. Okay, that's something. That's one box. But I think the guys that are already there, maybe they lack the experience, but they check an awful lot of boxes for uh, the potential to be a very good offensive lineman. So I, I just don't think that they were going to get better by bringing him in. I think Notre Dame made the right choice.
1: All right, hit the like button if you would. We haven't asked you to do that tonight. I, you know, I waited a little bit longer than usual.